the teams you care about. I've got Pats, I've got Sox, Bruins, Celtics, UVM. Where do we want to start? The stories that matter to you. A huge shocker out of Foxborough, Mac Jones, the quarterback of your New England Patriots. This is your home for New England sports. I admit it, I'm a card-carrying member of both the High and Bloom and Cam Newton fan clubs. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in on a Friday right here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We got a 30-minute show. Red Sox baseball comes up. Pre-game show at 6.02. First pitch, 7.02. Game two of the AL Division Series between the Sox and the Rays. Rays win yesterday by a score of 5 to nothing and have a one nothing series lead. Look, 30-minute show. We're splitting up the show into two equal halves today. 15 minutes apiece, essentially. Red Sox at the start. Patriots at the back half as they get ready for the Texans. We will be joined by Pats insider Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston, as we always are on Friday. He'll be with us again 545. So, Red Sox baseball, 6 o'clock. Chris Sale's on the mound, 7-0, 7.02 first pitch. Chris Sale against Shane Boz. You can always get in on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. Your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Let go! 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I want you all, as you're driving home right now or you're listening on your smart device, however you're listening to this show, I want you to say this along with me. When you walk the leadoff batter of an inning, you deserve to have bad things happen to you. If I were a pitcher, I would write on the blackboard a hundred times, if I walk the leadoff guy, I deserve bad things to happen. That is what happened to Eduardo Rodriguez yesterday. I feel bad for Erod because him playing again, as we spoke about yesterday, really is a feel-good story. Him making all his starts is a feel-good story. But when you walk the leadoff guy of an inning, when you walk the leadoff guy of a game, as he did yesterday against Randy Arozarena and the Rays, you deserve what happens to you afterwards. This is the playoffs. You cannot pitch yourself into trouble. That is something that that is completely unacceptable. When Erod walked to Rosarena last night to start the game, you just knew bad things were going to happen, and of course they did. Wander Franco doubled on the next play. Like, walking the leadoff guy is equivalent to you're backed up in your own end in football, and then you get a 10-yard holding penalty, and it's instantly first and 20. You can't come back from that. Walking the leadoff guy only breeds bad things, and that is what happened yesterday. It's hard enough to pitch in the playoffs because the lineups are so deep and the hitters are so disciplined in the playoffs. Guys, do not chase when you get to October. Pitching becomes even harder when you create your own traffic. And then the Rays score the second run on an infield single, Yandy Diaz. Like, that sucks. I feel awful 
for Erod. It's unfortunate as a pitcher. Man, an infield single got a run in. Well, you know what? When you walk the leadoff guy, that is always the kind of stuff that follows. Very rarely do you walk the leadoff guy and get away with it. Not in the playoffs. I saw it this afternoon. I'm watching White Sox-Astros before the show. Sox are up one nothing. Lucas Giolito, second inning, walks the leadoff guy. Then he walked another. Boom, shift-beating single scores a run. That's what happens. When you give playoff teams and when you give playoff lineups extra opportunities and you give them freebies, you, you lose. You lose. So what is the thing that Chris Sale needs to do today, maybe more than anything? Throw strikes. Get ahead in the count because Erod was behind everybody. He only went an inning and two-thirds, and he was behind everybody, it felt like. You just knew right off the bat yesterday that bad things were going to happen. Walk the leadoff guy on five pitches. I'd rather give up a leadoff single. They both end up at first base, but the psyche around a leadoff walk is so much different than the psyche around a leadoff hit. And that's the facts. You walk the leadoff guy on five pitches, you know bad things are going to happen, and you deserve bad things to happen to you. It's beating yourself. We talk about football teams who who turn the football over and who have penalties and who miss tackles. That's beating yourself. Well, the equivalent of that is, in baseball, is walking the leadoff guy. Eduardo Rodriguez did it and lost. Lucas Giolito did it today, and the White Sox are now getting pummeled. That is what happens. When you create your own traffic in the playoffs, you always pay for it. And then... It wasn't just Erod. Erod wasn't sharp early, but the rest of the team wasn't sharp late. I mean, the, the steal of home by Randy Arozarena, just embarrassing. Arozarena is halfway down. He's trying to steal home. Taylor throws and he's safe. Arozarena has stolen home base, and it's 5 nothing Tampa. The new Mr. October. Well, he said he was dancing halfway down the line and that it wouldn't distract Taylor, but he didn't notice him. And a Rosarena flies down the line, a playoff steal of home. It's embarrassing. A lack of focus completely yesterday by the Red Sox. They were defeated at that point. Now, the shift was on, so Rafael Devers is not playing traditional third base. So he it's not his fault that he's not holding the runner. That one is completely on Josh Taylor. You have got to be conscious of what defense you're playing, where your fielders where your fielders fielders are, and you've got to have a different mindset. I know as a pitcher you're not expecting someone to steal home on you, but you've got to be ready and you've got to be aware and you've got to be paying attention and Josh Taylor wasn't. Last night was a Last night was a very disappointing night for the Red Sox because I thought Erod was going to come out and pitch well. I don't know if he you know, would have won the game, but I could have seen him delivering a quality start, six innings, three runs or less, and he didn't even make it out of the second. Walked the leadoff guy. He walked the leadoff guy in the second inning also and managed to get out of it after Zanino, you know, they took him out with Richards, but Zanino hit a ball about a zillion miles that just stayed in the yard. He walked. He threw two innings, walked the leadoff guy twice. You don't deserve good fortune. When you walk the leadoff guy, everything bad follows. Trust me, I've seen it a million times. When you're rolling, 
plays get made. Guys dive and make plays for you. Guy, the umpire gives you a little off the corner. When you're when you're walking leadoff, guys, guys make errors, guys make bobbles, little things drop, infield hits happen like it did. Nothing good. Nothing good comes from it. You're just beating yourself. As we transition into today, as with the Sox down one nothing, you need a good performance from Sale. You need a good performance from Sale. What do I think will happen? My gut tells me that Sale will have good stuff, but he doesn't have his put-away stuff right now. And I don't know if that's age. I don't know if that's the injury. But right now, I just don't think Chris Sale has the complete put-away stuff. He can get ahead of you, but he can't always finish you off. So I think he'll have good stuff, but I think he'll have to work really hard, and I think he'll be out of the game by the fourth or fifth inning and it comes to the bullpen. Like, I could see Chris Sale being at 85 pitches through four and two-thirds, and that would be a problem because then you have to go to the bullpen. We are Pavetta's shot. He's done. You got Richards. You got Brazier out of Vino. You got guys there. But if Sale can't give you five at least and, and probably six, you're in trouble. I think Sale will pitch well. But I think he will won't be long for this game, and it's going to come down to the Sox bullpen. So I, I would say going into tonight, I'm not overly confident. I do think the lineup should be able to get to a rookie in Shane Boss, but they should have been able to get to a rookie yesterday in Shane McClanahan, and they couldn't. McClanahan shut him out for five innings. If you are looking for one saving grace today, it's that the Red Sox hit a bunch of balls hard right at people. They did have a good approach. They didn't chase a lot of pitches. There were... The Red Sox hit 16 balls yesterday at least 97 miles an hour. Eight of them were outs. Bobby Dahlbeck hit two bats, two balls 100 miles an hour. Both of them were outs. So the Sox hit the ball hard. They hit it right at people. Today, they need those balls to fall in. They need them to get through. They need them to find holes. My gut tells me I'm not that confident today because I don't trust that Sale will give you six or seven that's probably needed. I think he gives you four plus, maybe five, and throws a lot of pitches. And ultimately, the Rays score, you know, for the seventh inning on more than any team in baseball. When this thing gets into the bullpen, and the more bullpen arms that throw, the more problems are likely to happen for the Red Sox. As for health-wise, you know, we'll give you the lineups here in about 15 minutes. J.D. Martinez, they're taking it right up to the limit with him to see if he'll be in the lineup today. And Rafael Devers, you listen to the pregame show when they talk about Devers. Our guy Lou Merloni said he thinks Devers is dealing with a pretty, you know, with a pretty uncomfortable situation in his arm right now. Watch Devers. He's not swinging freely and comfortably. That's a situation to monitor as well. Sox can't win this series without a healthy JD or a healthy enough Rafael Devers. It's the Brady Farka Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. A couple people on the text line last night giving me grief. Uh, we had one from Joe in Burlington who said, is it still the opinion of the Brady Farkas show that Erod should get a trophy just for showing up tonight? He actually texted me that last night during the game. Hey, Joe, no, you don't get a trophy just for showing up, but you are allowed to step back and appreciate the human element of sports. And I'm happy that Erod has been healthy enough to pitch all year, and I'm happy that Erod was healthy enough to pitch last night and made all his starts. Now we can talk baseball, and that might have been Erod's last start in a Red Sox uniform. 
and I'm disappointed for him that it went out that way because I think he's far better than he showed yesterday. Erod's usually a guy he used to have, you know, used to have a situation where he couldn't throw enough strikes. He really dialed in his ability to hit the strike zone, you know, starting at about 2019. And his momentum was halted last year, and this year it never really felt like he got going again. And when you walk the leadoff guy, as I said, bad things are bound to happen. Bad things have been happening to the Patriots over the first four weeks of the season. You talk about beating yourself. The Pats have found a bunch of different ways to do that. They're taking on the Houston Texans coming up on Sunday. We'll get the skinny on that game from Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston. He's with us next on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show here on Friday on WDEV. We're 15 minutes away from the Red Sox pregame show as the Sox get ready for game two against the Tampa Bay Rays. But also this weekend, the Patriots are in action. They're in Houston to take on the struggling Houston Texans. Both teams come in at one and three. Joining us now, Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, Pats insider. You can see him on a TV near you or also listen to his next Pats podcast or the Tom Curran's Patriots Talk podcast, of which he is a part of. Phil, before we get to this week, Let's talk about last week one more time. What was the vibe like at Gillette Stadium for Brady's homecoming game? What was it like you were there? I thought it was a great vibe. I thought it was a great showing by fans in the stands, whether they were Patriots fans or Bucks fans. I mean, you got that immediate pop that was well-deserved, clearly, for Tom Brady when he first touched the field for warm-ups. But then you got the follow-up pop that I think was even maybe a little bit louder for Mac Jones when he took the field soon thereafter. It it felt like a Super Bowl, Brady, in that regard. I think when we spoke last week, I was saying, well, it'll it'll have a playoff plus sort of vibe. Hmm. It would be like a playoff game, but even a a level up from there. That part of the game, the warm-up part, where you had so many fans in the stands so early, which is incredibly rare. I've never seen the stands that packed that early before. But when you have essentially two fan bases almost cheering at different times, but in the same stadium before again, that's what a Super Bowl feels like. And you've got the very clear AFC and NFC fan bases split right down the middle. And it made it a lot of fun. And I even like the fact that they booed Brady a little bit when he took the field because they had already given him a standing O, like a rousing ovation that, that lasted, it felt like a couple minutes. So you give him a little sprinkling of booze when he actually takes the field for the game, and it kind of lets him know, okay, we love you. We want you to lose today. So I I thought it was a great vibe. Despite the weather, rainy conditions, people still brought it in the stands, I thought. Was the decision to try to kick the field goal 56 yards with Nick Folk, was that in any way an indictment of how the, the, the coaching staff feels about Mac Jones? I don't know if it was an indictment so much as it might have been a statement as to they don't want to give him too much too early. Now, does that make it the right move? I would say no. I was very surprised they tried to line up and kick that field goal, Brady. Nick Folk made one, barely, by 58 yards in very clear conditions before the game. I watched him pretty closely, field level, every week. No matter the stadium, home, away, I just I think that's an important part of game day coverage, honestly, because you get situations like this. So he's good from 58 to that end of the stadium, but far different conditions. So it is pouring. I mean, it was raining throughout the game, but by the end of the game, it was, it, it felt like a monsoon by the end of the game. 
And so you're asking Nick Folk to kick one that's only two yards shorter than his max in warmups in those conditions. That to me was questionable. And I think the only reason you do it is because you don't feel great about putting your rookie in that spot. And they, as an offense, Brady, haven't been very good on third downs. They haven't been good on gotta have it situations. So I get all that, but Mac Jones is pretty hot in the second half there. And I would have given him another crack to make that first down, make it a more manageable field goal. And then even, drain the clock a little bit that felt very unbelichickian for them to even if they had made it leave a full minute on the clock with a couple timeouts for tom brady to come back the other way so it, it felt like a decision that bill wouldn't typically make and to me the one clear variable is that he is a rookie at quarterback the mistakes the patriots are making penalties procedural penalties turnovers etc how do you view them are the patriots a good team that are making correctable mistakes or are the Patriots making mistakes that bad teams make? I would have to say that they are a bad team right now. If Hmm. that's the, you know, I think that's the most accurate way to put it because you're right. Good teams don't make those mistakes, especially late in games. Don't turn it over. You don't fumble away a game against uh, the Dolphins to start your season you don't have a fill-in who's in his second year, who's been waiting for his turn to, to play with James White out, who comes in and J.J. Taylor and fumbles away points in a critical spot in the second half. You don't make the penalties that they're making, especially late in these games. Good teams don't do that. Can they clean those up relatively easily and become a better team? I would say yes, because I think a lot of that is coaching. A lot of that is just reps. A lot of that is in-game experience for players like J.J. Taylor with that fumble. So I think those are easily correctable. But the part for me, Brady, that is a little bit more alarming and more a cause for concern for Patriots fans is they are terribly thin at some really critical positions right now. Yeah, The offensive line is obvious. They're missing four-fifths of their offensive line of practice again on Friday, and we'll see who's available, who's not on Sunday. The cornerback room with Stephon Gilmore, and I know he wasn't going to be available to you for a few weeks anyway, but you really can't afford an injury at that position at this point in the year. And so you're talking about some very important spots in your roster. Obviously, quarterback is right at the top of the list. And Mac Jones has been good, but there are still some question marks there because he's so young. Corner, you're thin. Offensive line and tackle specifically, you're obviously thin. Mac Jones is on an incredible pace in terms of the number of hits he's absorbed this year. He's, he's on pace to be the most frequently hit quarterback the NFL has seen in over a decade, Brady, wow. at this rate. So that's where my concern would be. It's not the silly mistakes, because those are correctable. It's the injuries, and it's the overall depth that you're, of your roster as some really important positions. Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, as he is every Friday on WDEV. The team hasn't been able to run the ball most of the year. They certainly didn't even try to run it last Sunday. How much of last year's running ability is attributed to Cam Newton? And now Cam not being here, how much does that hurt the run game? I know everybody hates Cam in a lot of different ways, but how much did did his ability impact the run game last year? It was big. It just is. You don't have many 250-pound quarterbacks who can run the football and make you play 11-on-11 on a weekly basis. You just... That changes everything. It changes how you fit runs. It changes how you structure your defense. Teams can't practice against that 
I mean, you can run scout team all you want, but you're not getting contacted by a 250 pound man who's made a living of, of trying to run through contact. So that helped a great deal. I would say I look at this unit compared to last year's unit, though, when you're talking about this running game overall, the big difference to me is not that Sony Michelle's gone. It's not even that Cam Newton's gone. It's that Joe Tooney's gone. Hmm. And it's that you don't have a starting caliber right tackle. I mean, you're talking about, you know, 40% of your offensive line there that is different from from last year. Michael Wen, who played a lot of snaps at right tackle, I know that when they were trying to fill in there. And he played well. But the drop-off from Tooney to a Wenu at left guard has been significant, in my opinion. And you've got nothing from right tackle. So you can't go you can't go and, and be as productive or get anywhere near it. Number one, if you lose cam and number two, if you have these changes along the offensive line that just make it a worse overall unit for you, that's been the most surprising element of this Patriots season thus far is that both in the past game, talking about the hits that Mac Jones has taken, but also in the run game, they're down the bottom of the league. They're three and a half yards per carry through four weeks here. It's not just that they didn't run it against Tampa Bay. They have not been able to run it. And, and run it consistently, really, outside of that Miami game, it feels like. So it's an issue. It's an issue in both phases uh, of their offense, and it's making them an easy team to defend. It's why they need reinforcements so badly there on the offensive line. You know, Colin Cowherd this week was saying that the, the Patriots lack anything dynamic on offense. Do you think that that's true, or have we just not seen the elements that should make them dynamic? Like we haven't seen the deep vertical play-action game. I think there are elements that have been hidden for lack of a better word thus far with this team, because you can't protect. It's hard to be dynamic down the field when your quarterback is getting sacked as soon as you hit three seconds with, with the ball in his hands, you know, normally with a reasonable offensive line, you'd be provided more time. You'd be provided an opportunity to go down the field more often guys like Nelson Aguilar, who was one of the best deep ball receivers in football last year, 18 yards per catch. For an offense that was good but not elite and a quarterback who's good but not elite, and he hasn't done anything for you yeah. in four games this year. And that, to me, is a product of what you're getting up front. They don't, they can't run a deep passing game right now. Jonu Smith has been a terrible disappointment. I mean, he is a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands, and that's that, to me, is, okay, you get it. The offensive line isn't what it should be, and so you can't throw down the field you should still be more explosive than you are because you're throwing short. And when you throw short, generally those pass catchers have more space to operate. And when you have more space to operate, you should be getting more yards after the catch than what the Patriots are getting. Mac Jones is 30th in the league right now in terms of quarterbacks who have benefited from yards after the catch on average, his pass catchers are averaging just over four yards after the catch. It's nothing. I mean, you need more in that regard from your playmakers, because if you can't throw it deep, you have to get explosive somehow. And that means playmakers making plays with the ball in their hands. And those guys just haven't done it. So, you know, coward may have a point because they've had four weeks to prove that they have some dynamic athletes on this offense. And part of it is they don't have time to showcase them, but it shouldn't be to that extent. You shouldn't be 30th in football in yards after the catch uh, at the quarterback position, which is where Mac Jones is right now. Texans are coming up this week, Sunday at 1. Pats lost in Houston last year, although certainly under different circumstances with Deshaun Watson playing last year. 
Brandon Cooks is a pretty good player, but beyond that, do we think the Texans should be able to give the Pats a game, or should this be one where the Pats, maybe the only game all year, they should control it from the start? I say everything goes out the window when you might be missing your entire offensive line outside of David Andrews, Brady. I mean, I, yeah. I just, that dire up front for them. I mean, you're talking about maybe calling up uh, a practice squad guy or two just to have everybody fully dressed. You probably have to start one of them at guard if all four of these guys are going to be out. The other guard would be Ted Karras. You'd have David Andrews in the middle, and you're talking maybe Yadni Kajus seeing his first action uh, as an NFL player. Hmm at one tackle spot and then Justin Haran or you see her Durant at the other and we've seen what they could do this year so it that's an issue and that to me would lead me to say you can't count on any guaranteed wins with this team especially when that's the situation you're dealing with up front so they should win it and JC Jackson should slow down Brandon Cooks to the point where the Texans really have a hard time scoring but boy I think if you get through this game with a win and with Mac Jones healthy and knocking down that hit rate just a little bit, don't get the guy hit eight or nine times every game as they have through the first month of the season, you'd be happy to get through. Phil, we're coming up on Red Sox baseball here minutes away from now. Do the Red Sox get game two tonight, in your opinion? They do. Chris Sale, I'll put my faith behind Chris Sale. <laughs> I, I was I was wary of trusting him late in the season, but what other choice do we have, Brady? <laughs> you have no choice. Chris Sale going against a guy who's made, what, four starts? Or this will be his fourth career start as a pro? Uh, I'm hoping nerves play a role and and Chris Sale gets the better end of it. Well, that's what we're hoping as well. Phil Perry, NBC Sports, Boston, Pats Insider. You can check him out pre- and post-game live on Sunday and also on the next Pats podcast and Tom Curran's Patriots Talk podcast as well. Phil, hopefully in seven days we're talking about a Patriots team on a one-game win streak. But until then, enjoy the game, and we'll see you next week. Thanks very much, Brady. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, with us every single Friday at 545 here on the Brady Farkas Show. Interesting stats there. My goodness, I didn't realize it's just the Pats are getting nothing after the catch. Nothing. Mac Jones, man, he needs help. He needs help. And if he's not going to get it from the line, then he's got to be able to get it from some of the guys he gets the ball to. And right now, he's not getting it from them either. An update on the Patriots line situation. Phil talks about maybe four guys being out. Well, Here's where we're at. Shaq Mason's not going to play with that abdomen issue, and uh, Trent Brown is also not going to play. So out with that calf injury. So, And then Isaiah Wynn and Michael Wayne were on the COVID list. Maybe one of them can play, but we're really not sure what's going to happen there. So I've got the Pats winning, but it's not going to be a runaway. It's not going to be the runaway that it should be in this game. The Texans are a bad football team with a third-string quarterback that they're playing, Davis Mills, out of Stanford. I think the Patriots win, but I don't know, 23 to 16, somewhere in that regard. So um, we'll break it down again on Monday. We don't know what our Monday show is going to be like. If there is a game four for the Red Sox, if the Red Sox win either game two or three, then they'll play on Monday and we'll have a short show. If the Red Sox get swept, then we will have a full show. So we're rooting for a short show because it means the Red Sox are still playing. What we're going to do now is we're going to step aside, and we're only going to step aside for 30 seconds. There will be no CBS News update. I will bring you the Red Sox lineup against the Rays. Is J.D. Martinez playing? Is Martinez with that sprained ankle? Is he in the lineup? 
I'll give you that answer coming up at this point, about 45 seconds from now. You're listening to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. We're always streaming on the free WDEV Radio app, and you can find that app, remember, on the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Just search for the just search for WDEV Radio. You'll see the green logo with the yellow text. 30 seconds until the lineup on DEV. Game two tonight from Tropicana Field, the Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays lead at 1-0 after last night's 5-0 win. We give you the lineups and the pitching matchup right here. For the Red Sox, it's the lefty Chris Sale, 5-1 with a 3-1-6 ERA. The rookie Shane Boz, 2-0 with a 2-0-3 on the mound for Tampa. For the Red Sox, Kyle Schwarber back in the leadoff spot. He'll play first today. Kike Hernandez is in center field batting second. Rafael Devers is at third and hits third. Xander Bogart's in the cleanup spot and playing shortstop. Alex Verdugo's in the lineup. He's in left field hitting fifth. J.D. Martinez is in the lineup, but he drops to sixth. He's the DH. Hunter Renfro's the right fielder batting seventh. Christian Vasquez is the catcher. He bats eighth. And Christian Arroyo is at second base. He bats ninth. For the Rays, Randy Arozarena. There's that man again. He's in left field. Wander Franco is at shortstop. Brandon Laos at second. Nelson Cruz had the catwalk homer last night. He's the DH and hits fourth. Yandy Diaz had the infield single RBI yesterday. Bats fifth and plays third. Jordan Luplo is at first. Manuel Margot, the former Red Sox farmhand, is in right. Mike Zanino is the catcher. And Kevin Kiermeyer is in center. Mutt and the crew from WEEI will take over with the official pregame show just moments from now. Red Sox need a win to head back to Boston at even strength. So we'll see what happens there. We'll have a full breakdown of everything on Monday. I have no idea how long the show is going to be, but go Sox, go Pats. UVM men's hockey is in action tonight at the gut. Welcome back to the Cats and welcome back to UVM fans as they take on Colgate. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you on Monday. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com.